cigars all around Cheers, y'all Well, 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 well. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine little radio program known internationally as Smokin' and Toastin'. We are all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars, and we're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth by B.B. Italia on Memorial in Houston, B.B. Lemon on Washington Ave, and the Annie Cafe and Bar on Post Oak Boulevard in Houston. That's a whole group of you know, great restaurants that are all run by the same fine organization and all have some sort of tertiary connection to our buddy uh, Jeremiah. That so, guy's so fun. Yeah. We haven't <laughs> had him on in a while. I, I know. I miss him. I was just saying. We hadn't actually seen him since the whiskey stuff, uh, right? That's right. I think yeah, we yeah. haven't. So, yeah, we got we to gotta circle back around because he's too much fun to drink with. So, <laughs> speaking of fun to drink with, welcome to the show. My name is Cruz. Uh, this is my good friend Ian who is uh, Howdy, lots of fun to drink with. And it is nice to have you on uh, again. Ian, this is show number 169. So, hey, we're halfway to 200. Yeah, yeah. Well, something <laughs> like that anyway. <laughs> and uh, today's show, talking about drinking together, uh, today's show is going to be about looking forward. We uh, Last week's show, we did a lot of review of the year and the decade, and there's a few more lists that are popping up that, uh, that we can share and take a look at. Uh, but today's show, we want to really uh, focus on... Um, Looking forward into the next decade, into the next year, uh, specifically, how will we drink in 2020? What will we drink? What will the trends be? And then some trends in uh, craft beer as well for uh, this particular I, year. I vote for early and often. Early and often, I think, is a, is a good a good rule of thumb. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things I love about working with you is that you have some, you know, some basic you know, words to live by, and they're not hard for somebody like me to remember. Like, for example, I remember when you dropped this nugget on me very early in the show, you just looked at me and you said, beer good. This is true. Yeah, is and, true. and that's that's something that I've, you know, come to cherish, actually, as as real words of, uh, words of wisdom and encouragement. So uh, it's so good to have everybody on the show. There's major news, well, kind of, sort of out of Washington, D.C. about the whole cigar regulation thing. It's good news, I think. So we'll share that's that with a, you. And, that's, and, a, that's a dubious yeah, I mean, it, teaser it, right there, Well, right? it seems like good news, but it's one of those things, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's kind of like some, when somebody tells you, hey, I got a surprise for you, you're going to love it. And you go, Okay, you know, so it's 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 one of those type of things. Uh, plus, we're going to do some great tasting on the show today, or at least I think it will be great. I am really excited to try. I've seen this in the stores. I've refrained from trying it until the show today, but I'm very excited. We'll be tasting uh, St. Arnold's new Texas Winter IPA from our very own St. Arnold Brewery here in our hometown so I was, of Houston. I was sending uh, St. Arnold a notification to let them know we are going to review one of their beers, yeah. and, uh, and I happened on their website to notice that they're putting out their... Uh, 
Art Car Double IPA. Oh. Or Double Art Car IPA. Double Art. Something, one of the two. Uh, I love the idea. I thought, yeah, I thought I you might appreciate that news. You know, Art Car is one of those things. You know, it's it's so interesting. St. Arnold is kind of like our hometown craft brewery uh, here in Houston. And I remember I, I drank their IPA, Alyssa, their original IPA. I drank that so frequently when I would get beer that I almost burned myself out on it. And right around the time I was like, okay, I still like it, but I'm, um, man, I just want something. Then they came out with the art car and the art car became, you know, a go-to and a favorite. And now they seem like they're proliferating in uh, IPAs. They've got this winter IPA uh, and they've got the, uh, the upcoming double art card. This is exciting. See, you made my day already. Yeah, right? I love it. Also, today we're going to taste, and you may have seen this rotating on Mr. Twirly Gig at the beginning of the show, uh, a really interesting-looking bomber, a huge bomber. It looks like a wine bottle of Jessup Farm Barrel House Maslenta. It's a tequila barrel-aged golden sour. It looks awesome, doesn't it? I, I was I was saying before the show, it's going to be one of those things. We're going to either love this or we're going to go. I, I so don't know. I started I mean, a watch party at the beginning of this. I've never done that before. I'm not sure how a watch oh, really? party starts, but I, I I've already know. got comments coming on, including an old friend Brian said, "Hey, shouldn't that bottle have a straw in it?" So I simply replied. Uh, same shape bottle, but it's not Boone's. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It is the exact same shape as a Boone's Farm uh, uh, bottle. The, the Country Quencher or Strawberry. Yeah. <laughs> what was the strawberry one? Oh, Boone's. Strawberry Hill. Strawberry Hill, that's yeah. right. <laughs> I found my thrill. Uh, and then uh, also we'll be tasting from uh, Seven Sills Brewery, their king size, number 45. Apparently, and I'm not hugely familiar with this brewery, but apparently – They've done 45 different like special releases and uh, and call them king size. Yeah, uh, this is number 45, and it's a chocolate peanut butter pastry stout. And apparently they're all limited release because I went on their website and they didn't have that at all. They had you know some other uh, release on there. Some yeah, other, yeah, uh, probably number you know 48 right, or right. something. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got this one. Uh, I bet I chanced upon this. Um, yeah, maybe a month ago. So uh, so I'm excited about our trying this. And then this is really interesting, uh, Ian. The Cantera Negra, uh, Añejo Tequila uh, from Jalisco, Mexico, will be something we'll be sampling today. So I, th- I, think, I think it's shaping up to be a great tasting show. So, You know, as I'm much as you to like it. tequila, you never really had a tequila incident in college, did you? Oh, yes, I did. Oh, yes, but I did. But you still love tequila this well, much? Well, yeah, see, and that's something that people always, you know, <laughs> when you bring up tequila, especially among those who don't drink it regularly, everybody says, oh, yeah, I don't really do tequila. <laughs> and that's always followed by, there was this one time, and then they tell you the yes, story. Yes, the story. For, for many of us, it's in college. And I, I always uh, laugh about it because I thought, you know, it's one of those things that if you don't get back up on that horse at some point, you'll never wind up <laughs> tasting never. really good tequila. Well, yeah, just just uh, for everybody listening, just so you know, uh, when it comes to tequila, no limes or salt are harmed in the in the beginning of these episodes. That's right. That's that's kind of our mantra yeah. when it comes to tequila. And we haven't done a tequila in a while. You know, we did uh, December was rum month, right? Right. And we had a whiskey last uh, last week. And and you mentioned you had some uh, some new whiskeys that you might be bringing in, uh, mm, in I'm have for to future that. episodes, yes. so I'm excited about that. Uh, but it's back to tequila today, and so we're really excited about that. Um, the um, Before we go any further, I want to do a very special happy birthday. 
Happy 150th birthday to what I think you're not that old, are you? Could be not oh. not, not quite, <laughs> but it's what I think could be the oldest, or certainly one of the oldest cigar shops in the United States. It's oh wow! L.J. Peretti's in Boston, Massachusetts. Happy birthday! Located right down on Boston Common, and I used to go there all the time. Used to go there buy cigars. One hundred and fifty. It's one hundred and fifty years old. That's awesome. This month, congratulations and happy birthday! And Paredes, I'm sorry I haven't been by to buy anything, but I don't live there anymore. Uh, but it, it's a great place. Uh, it's small, uh, as you might you know imagine for how yeah, long yeah. that it's been there. So it's not one of these super mega humidors, although it's a decent size. But what they lack in size, they make up for in just amazingness of. Uh, but is it one of those places where you walk in and you get that 150 year old cool totally, vibe? Yeah, totally. I love that. I love but that. I will say this about Peretti's: they're kind of cigar snobs there. And I guess if you've been running the shop for 150 years, yeah. you're entitled. But yeah. when I say cigar snobs, if you go in and like you. Because I've seen this happen. Fortunately, it wasn't me. I know enough to keep my mouth shut until I can figure out what's going on around me. But you, you've seen people walk in and start talking about cigars like they think they know about cigars. And, oh, yeah. and these guys really know about cigars. Yeah, they don't suffer fools all the time. <laughs> but they'll be happy to sell you a box of cigars. Uh, no, seriously. Well, there's, I have there's nothing always, great though, to say you, about Paredes. They're we, great. We, we, we say that about certain shops, but because uh, music shops are like that, too. You know, when oh, you want to buy guitars and stuff. So. That's a um, really good comparison. And, and record shops. Uh-huh. Uh, mercy, you know. Sure, like, But sure. here's the thing. There's a difference in attitude when you walk in acting like the guy that knows everything, or mm. you walk in as the guy who... You know, knows stuff, but is still willing to learn. Well, if you just walk in and ask these guys, go, hey, I was looking for something like that. They're super helpful and, and wonderful. The only thing I saw them do is get a little frustrated with a guy who came in, you know. Telling them how it is. Yeah, exactly. I I, I don't even remember the exact thing now. Cause it's been a I, think, I think you can go into pretty much any <laughs> shop, any specialty shop, and you go and telling them how their business is. Yeah. You pretty much get yeah, that attitude, yeah. when, and you should. You when should. you were, uh, you know, when you were doing uh, custom guitars, I'm sure if someone came in and told you how uh, all about. Oh, well, you know you when know. I when I do guitar repair, I love it when people come in and go, "Yeah, I do it myself because uh, I used to do this kind of work." Oh yeah, but I just don't feel like it. Yeah, <laughs> right, buddy. Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I'm uh, I'm really excited about the show today. I think we have a lot of good stuff coming up. Um, as the year has begun, it's been pretty busy, and, uh, and I think we're you know we're lining up some really good things for uh, some future episodes. Really excited about some of the guests that uh, I think we're uh, going to be uh, lining up here. So um, I'm just wondering, do you have an opportunity to smoke anything interesting this week? Well, it's funny you should ask because yep. I did. As a matter of fact, um, I didn't go out this morning uh, to my normal haunt. I went to my patio. Oh, that's a good haunt. And uh, with a cup of coffee and a big glass of ice water and mm-hmm. a Drew Estate Liga Pravada UF-13. Oh, the UF-13. Have you had one of these? I have not. I have Man. seen it in the store and, and, and looked at it longingly. Well, I'm going to start this off by saying this is a fifteen dollars cigar. Right, that's okay. why I looked long. Not cheap. So, so not it, cheap at it's, all. it's it's not necessarily an impulse buy. Like you have to really make the decision. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's a pretty cigar. The uh, it's got the Connecticut broadleaf wrapper on there. It's uh, dark. Um, 
semi-rustic is what I would call it. It's kind of a rough finish on it. Mm-hmm. Some veins. It's very oily, very firm. Like Look how beautiful like it is, Just feeling though. the cigar, you feel like it's not going to draw very well because it's so firm. That is just a gorgeous uh, It's cigar. got a little pigtail on the end uh, that, uh, you know, they twist the end on the cap that you cut mm-hmm. off. Uh I, I used a, a clip. Well, let's start with the pre-light sniff on this, um, or let's start with construction here. So it's a, a Connecticut Brown Leaf uh, wrapper, Matafina binder, Nicaraguan uh, Honduran filler in this. The pre-light sniff on this was uh, earthy, some barnyard flavors, hay, uh, woody notes, uh, sweet kind of cappuccino thing, and mocha, especially at the cap. Nice. Uh, the pre-light draw. This is you know when you clip your. Uh, cigar and you draw you through draw it before, through you, before light you light it, right? Yeah. right. Uh, you get a lot of flavors that way. Uh, so I used a clip, effortless draw on this thing. Um, sweet, nutty flavors, coffee, a little barnyard, a little bitter chocolate on mm-hmm. the pre-light draw. It's it's funny how the ways you know you experience a cigar, like between just smelling it or drawing through it, those kind of things change a lot. The initial light on this, uh, tangy pepper. It was, it was a lot of pepper on the beginning of this, but in a nice kind of tangy way. Um, this... Um, and uh, a lot of oak flavor in there and mm-hmm. bitter dark chocolate. It wasn't a lot of flavors right off the light, but it was the ones that were there were intense and they were really good. Nice. Uh, the first third of the cigar, pepper, uh, nice big spicy pepper, some some kind of maybe cooking spice kind of flavors going on, oak, chocolate. I'm just, I just started writing notes on everything I was experiencing. Sweet, dark fruit on the finish. Had a very flaky ash to it. Did not drop it on myself. I was very aware of this from, for the, from the beginning, <laughs> but perfect burn. <laughs> the uh, second third of this cigar, a little more complex, uh, th- things started kind of moving around. The chocolate and coffee really moved up front on this, and uh, the pepper and spice were still present, but a little bit back. The pepper got a little tangy on the back. The The tanginess went away after the initial light, and then didn't come back until about the second third of this cigar, and came back uh, with, the, uh, with a little more... Um, uh, with a little pepper and the spice was still there. Uh, little nutty flavors were coming through right now. Still had that real dark fruity finish. Uh, it was really nice. Flaky ash, solid burn, uh, perfect burn. The last third of this cigar, um, the, uh, it moved around again. You had not, now you had like sweet, like cappuccino flavored. Um, and then you had a lot of bitter chocolate right on the beginning, and that cooking spice was right up front. Uh, a lot more woody notes were happening, and the this pepper and stuff. This is a lot of stuff up. going on. In yeah, this, this cigar. is this was a crazy cigar, and it took an hour and fifteen to smoke. So mm-hmm. this was a long experience, and it was nice. It was great for me to sit down and go. I have to do this for work. <laughs> right. Isn't it a good thing? <laughs> that was not bad. A, uh, a lot thing. of that sweet dark fruit on the finish. It got a little tangy and a little tiny bit bitter at the end. Uh, but I thought in a pretty good way. I smoked it down until it was pretty small. Price of this cigar is $15 for a stick. I give it a solid six. So a six, meaning because the price to quality is scale of one to ten, but five means you got what you pay for. That's right. And it's a $15 cigar. And you gave it a six. I wouldn't have batted an eye if I paid eighteen dollars for a it six after is the experience. A big rating yeah, for I mean, a cigar I, that expensive. Yeah, I mean this was it was such a good experience. It was nice. It was a great cigar. Um I it smoked for a long time. It never got old. The flavors kept uh, uh revolving around, it kept yeah, evolving of, throughout mm-hmm. the cigar. So it was it was really like as soon as you think, Oh, okay, I kinda get this cigar, and then you take another puff and you go well, that's different. What am I tasting there? It was really interesting. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Uh, enjoyed the whole experience of it. So I give it a six on the price of quality, which is pretty big for a fifteen dollars cigar. No I think, kidding. You know? No kidding. That may be one, in, in many ways, it's one of the higher rated cigars you've you've ever talked about. 
That's yeah. yeah at well, that, at, that at that price, price point, yeah. yeah. It's hard. Absolutely. It's hard to get a big. It's hard to get above five when you're when you're in the. Uh, once you, I think, once you get past thirteen dollars, I agree. It's hard to rate. If a cigar. you pay fifteen bucks for a cigar, you give it a five. You're like that was worth every penny of the fifteen bucks. And I that's, mean, that's yeah. a, that's a great. Now the the Liga Provada is always so good, and that one was just a, a great example of it. I enjoyed it tremendously. That's it was right. a robusto size, so it was five by fifty. Uh, Five by fifty-four, I think. Yeah. What I put fifty-two, five by fifty-two size. So uh, it wasn't a giant cigar, but it wasn't yeah. small, you know. Yeah. And, and I got, I felt like I got my money's nice worth. Nice experience. Out of it. I love it. Mm-hmm. How I about you? Absolutely love it. Um, I went into. I also did not go uh, out to our our haunt where we sometimes meet before the show. Uh, I I instead uh, took the opportunity to smoke th- something at home, and I was going through my humidor looking for something that I okay. What what can I get here that I haven't? You know, have I not? Or talked about it on the show, <laughs> and so I'm pretty sure that I actually have reviewed this one before. But as I was looking at it, I was like, you know, if if I have it, it's, it's been long enough, uh, and it might be worth it to revisit it. Plus, I'm pretty sure you guys don't want to hear me talk about another AJ Fernandez cigar. <laughs> so uh, I smoked the My Father Antigüedad Robusto, uh, and this is a wonderful little cigar. Very pretty. It's a box press. Has a very classic, almost Cuban looking uh, band. About it, maybe a little uh-huh. fancier than the than the Cuban bands, but it it just recalls that sort of old school vibe when you look at it, uh, and you can see the band there. Um, it is um, made with a pretty interesting lineup of tobaccos. It's Habano, Ecuador, and Rosado Oscuro on the wrapper, a Corojo and Creole. Man, I always always struggle with Criollo? this. Criollo, yeah, a Corojo and Criollo double binder and filler from Nicaragua. So this already sounds like something I'm gonna like. I love how uh, outlandish and classy their labels are. Yeah, oh way. yeah, they really are beautiful. Yeah. Uh, mocha and leather on the pre light, and uh, I used a punch, uh, and once I lit it up, I almost immediately got chocolate and like dark black cherry. Flavor like and not that sweet like sort of pipe tobacco cherry, right? But right. this not the darker, kind of right? Right. This darker kind of uh, um, very deep sort of uh, black cherry along with the chocolate. It was you know it reminded me of you know sometimes you get like those really expensive chocolate bars with the really high grade chocolate, right? Right. And they've got a little bit of like cherry or or other uh, fruit flavors. But in they're them. not super sweet. But That's more yeah, like not the, sweet. Almost yeah, right. not sweet at all. Almost bitter. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. Um, it, that was the the first third. The chocolate flavors stayed with the cigar as I smoked it. There was a hint of pepper uh, as it smoked. Very very nice complexity. It was medium to full, but the thing that made it a winner for me was how complex the flavors were. Much like, I think, what you were describing with your uh, Liga Pravada. Uh, I was very pleased by this little hint of brown sugar that kind of came oh, nice. into it in the last third, uh, along with the distinct sort of nuttiness. And then I surprised myself when I went and looked up the price, because I've had this in humidor for a while, and I didn't remember how much I had paid for it. Um, it's a 7 to $8 cigar. Now, that's not cheap for a Robusto. But for a My Father Robusto, it's not like their most expensive right, of their line. Right. Uh, so that surprised me. Uh, based on that, 
uh, I'll give it a solid six. Nice. So we both did a six. And it's, I would have easily paid $10 for it. In fact, I expected to look up and find nine, was, 10, 11. Yeah, right. And uh, when it was seven to eight, I was like, wow, that's, uh, that's well, it's hard to go wrong cool. with the My Father yeah. line. It really is. Those guys have got it together. And when you think about that, this is maybe one of their less expensive mm. cigars. I don't even want to call it budget because nothing about this cigar looked or smoked like budget. But, uh, it was good. It was good. By the way, I want to uh, say hello to uh, my buddy Todd Newton, the host with the most, who is uh, uh, watching on Facebook today. What's up, Todd? Haven't talked to you in a while, and we're overdue. Uh, come to town. Let's have you as a guest on the show. Todd's a host of all kinds of stuff, everything from television shows to game shows to his own podcast. He's he's one of those you know, self-made media mogul type. Uh, That's awesome. And, and an awesome dude. Awesome guy. Um, so um, we've got a lot to get to, and I'm actually very anxious to get to the tasting. One of the reasons is because ordinarily Ian and I will go into the refrigerator here, which is usually reasonably well-stocked with, like, you know, Shiner Bach or Buckle Bunny or something like that. And It is uh, the best work fridge it usually is, ever. It is a great work fridge. You're right. Uh, but today, today none of the beer was cold. It was all uh, sitting outside the uh, refrigerator. <laughs> So we didn't have a what we like to call a show beer, which is what we you know we'll just sip on while we're talking. Just sip on while we're talking. So since we didn't have that, I'm anxious to get to the beer. So let's do uh, let's take a break and come back and do some uh, St. Arnold Winter IPA. You're going to make me wait on this big beautiful bottle. Uh, I am. It is a big beautiful bottle, but we will get to it shortly. It's smoking and toasting. It's show number one sixty nine. How we will drink in 2020 and the decade to come. We'll cover most of that coming up next. You guys stick around. We'll be right back on this watch party, too. Welcome back. It is smoking and toasting. It's the uh, radio show and podcast. It's all about craftier, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. I uh, did something really interesting this week. My wife is so great at finding like cool stuff to do that I would miss because I don't like pay attention. Um, and she found that there was this. It was like a one showing at a local theater here of this uh, documentary film about Michael Hutchins, the uh, Late and right. former singer from an excess. There's a movie, is that? Yeah, it's called Mystify. Right. Uh, at least now, I think there have been several movies done as well as like one of those VH1 behind the music things. Uh, but anyway, this one uh, I think is apparently fairly new, uh, and it was one of those like special event things. So it wasn't you, you could only go one time when it was. Right, showing. I saw a trailer for that, but I yeah. didn't know anything else. About uh, it. Went and saw it, loved it. It just kind of blew me away. And then um, it was interesting because we. You know, we wound up back home uh, having rum and, uh, you know, talking about it and talking about him. And then uh, the um, conversation turned to, you know, uh, we were listening to NXS music and, and the conversation turned to um, weird ways people die. Well, it, it turned to like great. Uh, singers and frontmen who we've lost, and and uh, uh, wound up talking about your old friend uh, Tim. Uh, oh, from Tim the McLashen, Budacrush, yeah. yes, from the and uh, and then listening to some Budacrush music. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was thinking of you the other night, just <laughs> awesome. to, just thinking, is that Ian on guitar? That's yeah. that's some pretty tasty stuff there. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I play a little guitar. You're pretty good at that uh, little instrument, right, there, right, dude. Yeah. Uh, dude, you're actually pretty good. Yeah, right. I know that guy. <laughs> well. 
Well, uh, anyway, welcome back to the show. It is uh, show number 169 for Smoking and Toasting. Uh, Ian's going to pop the top on this St. Arnold and do some pouring. Oh, that was nice. Um, love St. Arnold IPAs, always have, and uh, but this is one I have not tasted. Interestingly enough, it's got a huge grapefruit on the uh, on the can there. You might uh, want to show that back to the to the uh, camera. I'll get that up see, on the camera and see second what uh, see what I'm talking about. My friend Josh can't see it anyway because yeah. he's only listening. Yeah, that's right. I remember Josh is uh, apparently uh, visually impaired when it comes to our that's show. That's right. So. He's, he's <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's just the way it's uh, way it's going to be. He just listens. So, so this is for you, Josh. It's yeah. a picture of a grapefruit. Yeah, uh, and and right behind Santa. Right. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, and, and there's also. Uh, I love this. There's cowboy boots with ice skate. Uh, ice skates on the bottom. Let me get wow. that up there. The is there ever grapefruit on that. the nose on this thing? Let's see if I can oh, get it to this man. camera a little better. Mm-hmm. While you're there doing you that, go. I am. I am almost oh, I can, almost inhaling this. I can uh, smell beer. this wow. like from a mile away. Yeah, it's boy. I can understand why they've got the big grapefruit on there because it is. Now, like if this was a different color, I would just think it's grapefruit, like carbonated grapefruit. Now juice. this surprises me actually a little bit that St. Arnold went this direction because Art Car is a very grapefruity IPA. It's one of the reasons that I like Art Car uh, is because I generally like. IPAs that have a little of that citrusy grapefruit vibe to them. All right, so I'm going to make a couple of predictions. First off, mm-hmm. if you like grapefruit juice, you're going to love this beer. Wow. Um, Brian hates this beer without even trying it already. Yeah, this it, is well, so hot. Wiki, Wiki Brian. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is. <laughs> I, I can tell you, it is very he hoppy. Hates this beer already. But what's you know what's interesting? I think about this beer is that the the bitter um, that you get on the finish. Which I know comes from the hop, but it's like a grapefruit bitter. It's like like you were saying, like you had taken a drink of grapefruit juice and it would leave that sort of grapefruit bitter, um, yeah. you know, flavor on your palate. Yeah. Um, I think it's delicious. So I love it. Now, I, how does this How does this work for my, you? My first couple, you know, I, I'm not huge on. I, I like good IPAs. I'm not huge on all IPAs, but um, this right here, it's it's. My initial taste of this was like, I don't think so. But after a couple sips of this, I really, really, like, this is a next to the pool Mm -hmm. kind of beer right here. And I'm willing to bet that there's going to be a little bit of malt profile that sneaks into this uh, if it warms up a little bit. Now, warming up a little bit might also enhance some of the bitter in it. I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, I'm gonna that s- could be, or but it also could mellow it out a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I take it we must have gotten a comment from Brian. <laughs> no, one of my one of my old friends, Lenny, just said, "Me and my daughter are listening. She doesn't believe I know you." Hi, Lenny and Lenny's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Lenny and Lenny's daughter. Do you know he's pretty good on the guitar? <laughs> I mean, I practiced once. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, you well, know, I, 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 I'm still divided by this, but I can't kind of stop drinking it. It's, like, I think it's, it's delicious, but it's it is definitely because it keeps making me want to drink it, even though I'm not entirely sure that I really like it. It is definitely a bitter uh, IPA. I mean, it's it's got a lot of bitter on the finish. Reminds me in many ways of an ESB, but with lots of grapefruit to it. Yeah, you know how ESB how that bitter stays bitter, right. on stays on your palate i think maybe i'm a little polarized by it because um because it's the first beer of the day so to speak and this is pretty advanced for the first beer of the day well like it's pretty shocking i thought about maybe not going with this one first but we've got this sour that's aged in whiskey barrels and then we've got a peanut butter chocolate pastry stout so So this is the lightest this is the lightest beer i brought today (laughs) i don't think the abv is that high on it i don't know if it says in the can but Uh, you know i don't know it 
doesn't strike it me like a, a really IPA. clean. It yeah. leaves a bitter, and you know this would be so good with like tamales. Ooh, can you imagine Ooh. tamales with that super spicy green sauce? For know? those of you, no, who- I'm not talking about the tamales that yeah. you go get at the grocery store. I'm talking about the tamales that we, yeah. when you're hanging out at the bar and a lady comes walking in with a bunch Which of tamales. Bar tamales are the, the best tamales, best tamales in the world ever. Oh. The only thing better that, that are even equal to bar tamales are when you're like in a small town and some lady you know goes, "Hey, I've got a friend that makes tamales. You want to uh-huh. buy a batch?" Like uh-huh. that's the only thing that matches it. There was a, a little. I, I don't think it's even there. I think like a Joe's Ice House in the little town. I just on the outskirts of the little town where I grew up. And there was a lady who would bring her tamales in and sell them there. Oh, yeah. And if you could get there when the tamales were hot. Oh. So oh. there was a tamale guy that used to uh, come around in, uh, in the Montrose area here in Houston all the time. Uh, really nice guy. His tamales were outstanding. Um, and one night he was hanging out at the bar at the end of the bar. And apparently the bartender, a friend of mine, gave him some beers. And uh, he was in the bar a little too long, so the tamale lady came in and put a quick end to that. Oh, really? <laughs> and then for about the next year, you would see the tamale guy was sitting in the car, and the tamale lady would come in with the tamales. <laughs> okay. So you're talking about the tamale lady. The tamale lady. Which, and the angrier she looked when she came in, the better the tamales were. So That's just, always, there was a direct correlation. Always beware the tamale lady and the muffin lady. Have I ever told you the story about the muffin lady? I don't know anything about a muffin lady. Years ago, and if Todd Newton's still uh, still watching, he will remember the story because he and I worked together at a radio station in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, there was this, well, I was doing the morning show, and so I'd be off the air around 10 o'clock or so. And sometime between 10 and 11.30, this lady would show up. We were in like a high-rise office uh-huh. building. This lady would show up with a basket of muffins and treats and stuff, all home cooked, and she would bring them to the building and go around from you know floor to floor. Do, do you and know sell the muffin them. man? No, but I know the muffin lady. <laughs> and the, everybody would go. You would hear somebody. People would actually get on the the you know overhead PA. It, the muffin lady's here. It's the muffin lady. <laughs> it was always a thing, right? Because her food was so good. So one day. Um, I'm walking past the little kitchen area where there was a little TV, and I hear somebody go, everybody, come quick. The muffin lady's on TV. (laughs) So we all ran into the kitchen to watch, and she was on some court show. Apparently, the muffin lady had used the proceeds from her muffin sales to hire a hitman to kill her husband. And he screwed up (laughs) and got caught, and both the hitman and the muffin lady went to jail. That is a true story because you can't make something like that up. I'm changing the name of our show. It's going to be called Smoking and Toasting and Random Tangents. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just had to do it. We're just going to have a new segment of our show called Random Tangents. How do you not talk about the muffin lady? (laughs) That's amazing. And the thing is, I was sad about the hitman. I was sad about you know the jail sentence, but mostly I was sad because she wasn't bringing those tasty treats around anymore because <laughs> they sure were good. Oh man! All right, um, that's, to, that's awesome. I don't know how we transition from that, so we'll just do a hard right turn here. Um, so news from Washington: premium cigar breakers could catch a break from the FDA, as the White House has begun to apply pressure on the FDA regarding this uh, 
cigar and and uh, cigarette legislation. Now, the legislation, as we've talked about many times, it's really about stopping underage smoking, right? And that's what it's targeted as. But it's got some really onerous um, things that are very harmful to. Uh, U.S. tobacco companies, U.S. tobacco shops, and ultimately those of us who in, you know enjoy hey, a, a premium cigar. It, just just leave a message in the comments out there about how many times you've caught your 16-year-old smoking premium cigars. We're not talking about Swishers. We're right. talking about like you know AJ Fernandez or a Padron or something like that. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm just curious. By May, the FDA <clears throat> has to decide whether they're going to stick to the previous regulation. Uh, or to the regulation itself that would force cigar makers to abide by the same compliance rules as all other tobacco products. That's what this is essentially about. If they do, the cost of that compliance, they're saying, could put nearly 90% of U.S. cigar manufacturers out of business and destroy almost 5,500 jobs, according to data compiled by uh, Magnum Economic Consulting and provided by our friends at Cigar Rights of America. My favorite part of this is this bureaucracy is doing this to solve a problem that doesn't exist. Exactly. For cigars. At least where cigars are concerned. But the FDA last week gave the opponents of the regulation, that would be us, reason to be optimistic under pressure from the White House. They've indicated that they may kind of just look the other way. In fact, and I'm going to go, I'm just going to quote another story here. Premium cigars, they are now saying, are the lowest priority, indicating that there may be some relief on the way. The uh, the FDA is now saying premium cigars are the lowest priority on this. So it's kind of like... Are, Are you suggesting that somebody in the FDA has a clue? Because I'm a little uncomfortable with that. Well, I don't know. I'm happy about it. I don't know. what, But it makes me feel a little funny inside. What's weird to me, though, is it's one of those things, like, I'd rather they just officially pull premium cigars out of the legislation. Well, why wouldn't Inst- they? Instead, they're saying, yeah, we probably will not really enforce this or it'll be the lowest priority. So some you know gunslinger comes along down the road at the FDA and decides they're going to enforce it, and all of a sudden... It's back, you know what I mean? Like, like I'd rather see it go. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the guy that you know could beat you up, and you know he's mad at you, but he's saying, "Yeah, I'm gonna leave you alone," and you don't know whether, like, one day he'll get mad again and come beat you up. That, that's that's yeah, kind of what it feels like. You it's know? Uh, this is uh, it's just such a ridiculous. I, you know, I have a hard time even wrapping my brain around it because it's such stupidity that it boggles my brain that it's even an issue. Here's what it says. After May 12, 2020, the FDA will make enforcement decisions, enforcement, on a case-by-case basis, recognizing that it is unable as a practical matter to take enforcement action against every illegally marketed tobacco product and that it needs to make the best use of agency resources. The FDA intends to prioritize enforcement based on the likelihood of youth use, to our point, or initiation to make the most effective use of its resources. The FDA's lowest priority among these products will include relatively expensive, large hand-rolled cigars that do not have flavors like fruit or candy or mint, given what the FDA understands to be their comparatively lower youth usage rates. So this is all encouraging. Comparatively lower. Comparatively it's lower. non-existent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's 0.001%. Yeah, it's negligible. <laughs> negligible. Well... We appreciate uh, 
the recognition of being on the lower end of risk, said the executive director of Cigar Rights of America in an article that was posted on CNBC.com. But we'd like to not be subject to this regulation at all. So that's that's kind of yeah. where everybody's coming from. So yeah, my favorite is I'm encouraged, but you're low on a priority. We still got our eye on you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, but you're kind of low priority. Yeah, it's kind of like being pulled over and given a warning ticket. Yeah, you know, like uh, I don't know. Like, what why to, are we even going through this? Right, exactly. <laughs> you could have hollered at me through your car horn. Yeah, I just gotten on that little thing. You, you ever have a police officer? Like talk to you as they roll by on their yes, their that's thing. what I'm saying. Yeah, because you just yeah. yell oh, at man. me through the car horn. That's that's scarier than getting pulled over. I think I watched uh, on my way here today. There was a wreck on the uh, feeder, and I watched as I was getting on the feeder. Uh, a police officer light up a car. This this car immediately was like, oh, slow down, and started crawling off the feeder with this cop right behind it. the The car immediately starts moving to the left as soon as it gets on the feeder. I'm watching this as I'm getting on the freeway. Yeah. Traffic's kind of slow, so. And then there's a wreck on the feeder there, too. So this car just ekes past the wreck and starts to pull over, and the police officer just pulls over to the wreck. So this poor guy thought he was getting thought pulled getting over stopped. when yeah. the cop was just yeah. like, I just need you to get out of the way so I can get to this wreck. That's funny. You, got, you can almost yeah. feel the relief like emanating yes, from I the know. car. It's like radiating <laughs> off of his car in waves. All right. Well, uh, Ian, I was originally going to title this show. Rory says, surely the FDA has something better to do. Rory, the FDA, the FDA does not have the, anything they do better to do. Not. Unfortunately, no, they, they absolutely they do absolutely not. They absolutely do not. Keep an E. coli out of the salad bar. Yeah, we'll deal with that yeah, tomorrow. Whatever. we got to work on this. Taco you know, trucks, no problem. There apparently is one kid in 1954 who smoked a premium cigar, so we got to worry about that. It was a congressman's kid. Yeah, probably was. Because the congressman had cigars. That probably, you, you may See? Right. See? There you go. <laughs> uh, I was originally going uh, to title this show, How We Will Drink in 2020, and we are going to get to that. But now I'm wondering if the title of the show should just be The Story of the Muffin Lady. And grapefruit beer. And grapefruit beer. We'll be back with uh, with more beer. In fact, we're going to jump from grapefruit to some sour ale that's been aged in tequila barrels. Uh, that will be in our next segment. I love me some Texas winter IPA. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of on the fence about it. I kind of liked it. I drank it. I even poured a little more and drank it. it so I kind of like it. It says on the can, 100% chance of hops. <laughs> right. You go, St. Arnold. <laughs> nice. We'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. It's show number one hundred and sixty-nine. We'll talk about how we will drink in twenty twenty and going forward. But first, and before we taste our uh, our Jessup Farm uh, sour ale, in I got a little uh, got a little MythBusters segment. You ever watch the show MythBusters? I love MythBusters. Yes. Yeah? All right. Well, I got one for you. You know what your uh, friends may have told you? You may have even believed this yourself. I I believed it, but apparently, it's not true. What's that? That uh, let's say you've got a can of beer. Okay, and, I've got a can of beer, and it got shaken up a little bit. You know, maybe you dropped it on the counter or something. You know, you're worried that when you pop the top, that it's going to, you know, explode, mm-hmm. go everywhere. Uh, so what do you do? Um, set it aside and get a different can of beer, or you do this. Oh, I've seen people tap the top of yep, beer. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't know, like. 
So I've never done that because logically that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Well, that's why we're myth. Like, but that's if why it's we're agitated. Agitate it some more. <laughs> well, that's why we're myth busting. Uh, it's a commonly held belief that tapping a beer can won't. Uh, it's commonly held belief that tapping a beer can will prevent it from exploding. But according to the results of you're going to love this, a study published by MIT. Nice. MIT, <laughs> going to going to where it matters. Uh, researchers at the University of Southern Denmark meticulously experimented with shaken and unshaken beer cans before coming to their conclusion. The theory behind the tapping is that when the beer can is shaken, it causes bubbles to form in the liquid, and then when the can is open, those bubbles rush to the top and causes the liquid to fizz out of the can. Tapping the can, in theory causes the bubbles to release from the side of the can and rise to the top prior to being opened so they don't come all rushing up when you pull the uh, the top on the on the beer can. Unfortunately, the research shows that the tapping doesn't cause the bubbles to rise at all. Uh, they had two sets of cans. One, <laughs> I would love to have been there for this study, right. one that had been vigorously shaken and one that wasn't. The cans were weighed before being opened and afterwards. Some of the cans were tapped and some weren't. Regardless, the tapping showed no impact on the amount of liquid that was lost when the can was opened. So. Well, you would think uh, if you're one of these people that taps on the top of beer and it still spews out, mm -hmm. that after you do that a number of times, you would go, hmm. Maybe that doesn't work. What I love is how scientifically they approach this. He, they have several theories as to why the tapping doesn't work. One possibility, they say, is the tapping doesn't release enough energy to move the bubbles. Another is that the bubbles don't rest on the side of the can, but instead sit in the bulk of the liquid. They also theorize that certain proteins in the beer may prevent the bubbles from rising. No matter uh, the reason, the truth is clear. If a beer can is shaken, point it away from your face when you are opening it. Unless you just want to... You know, try to drink I it. Pointed right at someone out, else's face. Right out of the fountain, you know. Uh, but, yeah. So there you go. A little myth-busting uh, on Smoking and Toasting, episode number 169. I opened up a, a second video window, but apparently it also has second audio on it. It was confusing. Oh, so it was uh, everything. Yeah. I'm still playing around with this. This um, This is your welcome to a the, meeting uh, thing? Or, no, or? <laughs> this is the uh, the uh, watch party thing. Oh, I the have, watch party, yeah. I have no idea how it works, so I'm just I'm just no. pressing buttons, guys, so if it gets weird, you know. <laughs> Oops, didn't mean <laughs> to Thanks send. Thanks for letting me know where I didn't Oops, know that didn't the mean to send that picture. <laughs> right. <laughs> again. Yeah, again, yes. All right. Uh, Ian, I think it's time to uh, crack open this, uh, this bomber bottle. You know, often bomber bottles are... Uh, this is like a full 750 milliliter bottle, like a yes. wine bottle. Uh, often bomber bottles are a little bit smaller than this, but this is uh, this is for real. This is a uh, this is a real farmhouse ale. And uh, Jessup, um, these guys are known for their farmhouse ales. That's a big part. Oh my of, gosh, it big smells part so of what good. they're also, uh, uh, all about. Jessup Farm Barrel House Maslenta is what this is called. It is a tequila barrel aged golden. Sour ale, and what what did you get when you popped the top? I oh man, it smell smells it here, so classic, like sour farmhouse. Uh, I'm passing these over there to Adam, who's behind on the beer here. So, like, I love that oh, sour boy. barrel. This has got that, yeah. This has got that sour plus saison sort of. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit of funk. Well, a little bit of funk, yeah. yeah. And you're you're a fan of the funk. I'm a fan of the funk. I don't uh, fake the funk. <laughs> we want the funk. I'm not faking the funk, yes. Yeah, yeah so. we want the funk. Um, well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to let you taste it first. I love it. I love it on the nose. There's, 
it, it's so Low fruity mm-hmm. and it's very very fruity. a little sour and, and a little, little bit delicious. dank just right yeah. yeah just right off the nose i haven't even tried it yet it's mm-hmm. got all those things going on like my mouth is watering wow there's so much going on here so much going on it's definitely got that fruity it's definitely got the farmhouse ale vibe to it you can get a little bit of the tequila barrel taste and it's a sour it's all these things going on at one time finishes with like just a touch of like peach right by the pit yes like, Which I wouldn't have expected. Right by the pit, that kind of bitter peach kind of thing. Let's see what the bottle says. Mm, 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 mm. If you guys are out there watching me for the first time, this is something that I do for a living, just FYI. <laughs> it's not the worst job I've had. I'll tell you, my immediate <laughs> response to this is that this is one of those bottles, and it's perfect when you look at it. This is one of those bottles you want to open up when you've got friends, you know, a friend or two mm-hmm. over, and you want to pour it and share it and talk about it. It's it's beer in conversation. It's not just like, uh, hey, I'm thirsty. Let me grab something out of the fridge. It says, uh, we ever so patiently aged this golden sour ale in Añejo tequila barrels for 12 months before gently spicing it with a blend of fresh citrus peels. Uh, bright citrus aromatics mm-hmm. uh, complement earthy notes of agave and oak in this complex beer. Slow down, take a breath, and take a sip while you live in the moment with a glass of Masalenta. I wonder how they even... Like came about with the idea for this. You can definitely get the citrus peel in, and we, as, as you said that, I was taking a drink, and it, it was mm-hmm. totally, totally in that upfront, almost citrus zest sort of yeah, a the vibe zest kind it. of yeah. thing. Uh-huh. Wow, I, this is one of the most complex beers I think we've had in a while. It's Today's just, show is all about complexity. It is complexity, complexity, and, and, and random tangents, and how we'll drink in twenty twenty. <laughs> uh, I think um, one of the things that we've certainly part of our journey in terms of of drink has been more about and this has been really i've been on this path since college uh, the older i get the more it's about quality over quantity oh yeah you know yeah. back in the day it was just like uh you know what what can you get in a 24 pack i, I got 20 bucks what can i get right. for it <laughs> exactly and but these days it's about like the experience you know and that's that really is this really is an experience beer mm-hmm. you know this is something you want to uh, it would almost be a shame to open this alone at home. Well, you'd you be know? committed. However, this is six point three percent, so it's not you know brutal or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but you definitely have to be committed to it. I, you know, I a bomber like this, especially something so uh, so big and and crazy different tasting. You love to share with friends because then you can talk about it. it gives you a conversation piece, right? Right. Uh, that you get to enjoy. I really enjoy that. Yeah, it's good. It, tasters are great. Speaking of tasters, I brought some fun tasters over to uh, Mr. Uh, Alan Denny's house the other day. Uh, I, you know, I had to. I wound up having to miss that. How did that go? You missed an incredibly good steak. I was I was invited, and I had just gotten some uh, dental work done, and I wasn't feeling up to it. Yeah, I, def- I definitely really couldn't chew on steak. Definitely couldn't you... have chewed the steak. <laughs> yeah. But I was I was. I still, mean, you could cut it with a fork. I it was, was still, pretty amazing. I was still not go- not doing too good. <laughs> Although I will say, uh, the pain medication they give you. Uh, that uh, you know, it's it's not bad, and if you uh, combine that with a couple of uh, um, Parish Brewing um, um, Tropics, the, yeah. the one that we had last week, just be glad you're staying home. That's, just That's right, all I have man. to say. Just be glad. Well, you're saying, staying anytime home. you need to lose a tooth or something like that, yeah. you pay yeah. me half what you'd pay the dentist, and I'll take care of it for you. <laughs> 
Okay. I'm brandishing my fist for okay. those of you yeah, not, I got not you. watching. Yep, yep. I got you. Uh, and in some <laughs> cases, it might be less painful. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Newsweek ran an article um, not too long ago about nine craft breweries worth traveling for. Thought I would share this worth with you. traveling. Yeah, for. yeah. Okay. So this is a different approach. It's like, it's like a destination, right? Craft like a destination brewery. craft brewery, right? Not just like they have great beer, mm-hmm. but they're worth the trip if you're headed there from uh, somewhere else. And I think only two of these are in the U.S. The first one is uh, it's Russian River Brewing Company oh, in yeah. California. They are located right in the heart of California wine country. Uh, they say it's a destination all its own. Every year in February. They release Pliny the Younger for two weeks, mm-hmm. and then the uh, um, the lines people camp out on the street actually to get a glass of Pliny the Younger. I and bet that's course, a good party. The Elder you know, I'm not there. usually one that's going to camp out like that, but I bet I'm that's a good either. party that I'm night. I'm not either. I'm not either. Uh, another one they mentioned from the U.S. is Coney Island Brewing Company. Uh, these beers say they say pay homage to the history and playfulness of America's playground, Coney Island. Uh, beer lovers can try the year-round classics like Mermaid Pilsner or their summer favorite Cotton Candy Kolsch. All steps from the boardwalk and the famous Cyclone roller coaster. Nice. So that's pretty cool. So if you're headed to Coney Island, know that Coney Island you might as well go is yeah. right there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next one is in Chile. It's in Talagante, Chile. It's the Sot Brewery. S Z. O.T. A Californian and Chilean husband and wife team established this brewery. It's 30 minutes outside Santiago. Uh, they opened in 2006. They serve freshly made Italian pizza and have 14 draft lines with beers inspired by wine, California-style beer, and even uh, milkshakes. Um, Riot Beer in Cape Town, South Africa. Interesting. Riot Beer Riot in Cape beer. Town. All right. Yeah, yeah. They... Uh, they uh, say that the craft brew scene in Cape Town is well-established, and the brewery is all about making noise, from classic IPAs and lagers to alcoholic peach iced tea. You don't have to look far to find something unique. So, uh, Beavertown Brewery in uh, London, in the UK. I've seen Beavertown cans. I don't know if I've ever had uh, a Beavertown. Uh, they've long had a loving relationship with beer, talking about the British. But Beavertown's putting a new spin, they say, on the classics. Um, they say it's a brewery for the adventurous and fun at heart. Now this gets interesting. All right. Tel Aviv, Israel. Tel Aviv. The Dancing Camel Brewery. That's an amazing I'm name. I'm not making this up. Isn't that an amazing <laughs> name? Uh, it's located in a converted grain storage facility dating back to the 1930s. It's Israel's oldest microbrewery. Uh, the beer features locally sourced ingredients and traditional recipes, such as Old Papa, which uses date honey and is based on a recipe dating back to 4th century Babylonian times. Wow. Dude, road trip. Wouldn't it be great to do the show from there? (laughs) (laughs) How fun would that be? We're in lovely downtown Tel Aviv. And if you make your way to Hanoi, Vietnam, Turtle Lake Brewing Company is a place you should absolutely travel to. It's a brew pub which features a combination of their own beers, the Mango Smoothie IPA, the Big Boy Imperial Stout, and other local craft brews that aren't there. So they do their own and then they bring in and, other. Yeah. I've seen, I think it's super cool, cool yeah. when you have a brewery that actually mm-hmm. sells other breweries' beers as well. You also have a choice of vistas while you drink your beer. You can take in the beautiful lakeside locale mm-hmm. or you can uh, watch through tempered glass walls as they make the beer. Nice. I don't know which I would choose. That's, uh, that's, that's a tough one. I have to do 
have to split them. Yeah, I wonder if the writers for this have been to all of these. Uh, uh, well, if so, that's that's an even better job than ours. Yeah, I mean, you know? <laughs> like uh, I have this this uh, article I'm working on, mm-hmm. so I need you to sign off on a few financials here, please. A few travel expenses. <clears throat> the Young Master Brewery in Hong Kong, in China. Um, it's one of the first craft breweries in Hong Kong. Young Master Ales have been a hot spot since 2013. They do classic pale ales and offer more unusual ones. Inspired by traditional Hong Kong flavors like uh, uh, the Cha Chan Tang Goza, brewed with local salted lime. Visitors can take brewery tours in either Cantonese or English. So there you go. That's pretty cool. <clears throat> now, here's one I would love to visit Young Henry's in Sydney, Australia. Oh, yeah. Because the Australians can drink them some beer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it didn't fosters, trust me. <laughs> uh, in the heart of the city in Sydney, they say the brewery is all about. Uh, sorry, my page flashed on me. Uh, it's all about community, including reducing the environmental impact, not one to box themselves in. Young Henry's recently added a distillery, so you can enjoy a glass of moonshine with your beer. So, nice. A so glass there's, of moonshine. Yeah. <laughs> so When's the last time you sat down with just a glass yeah. of moonshine? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you want? You know, take a beer and some it. moonshine. Yeah. yeah. Moonshine uh, with a beer back. Nine breweries worth traveling to. I thought that was a very interesting. And Newsweek, and not, not a place you often find, right, right. You don't find articles beer. about craft beer. So. Beer and right. a uh, We will be finding some craft beer here, but in our next segment, we are going to take a break and uh, sample some Cantera Negra. Cantera Negra tequila. It's a uh, it's an agave, uh, 100% agave, añejo tequila. And I'm really excited about this because uh, this is not something I had seen up until I kind of stumbled across this bottle. So uh, we will do this in the next segment, and we will be right back. It's show number 169. Also in the next segment, how we'll drink in 2020. <laughs> It's smoking and toasting. This is the radio program that's all about craft beer, fun, it, spirits, and hand rolled cigars. We are brought to you, by the way, by the fine folks at B and B Butchers and Restaurant, eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, and the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, BB Italia on Memorial in Houston, uh, BB Lemon, and the Annie Cafe and Bar. Um, I am uh, I am beginning to crave some B and B bacon. It's been too long. We haven't been there. We haven't been there, haven't been in, there in a while. Too long. We got uh, We should. We should plan to do another show. Speaking of uh, planning for shows, we are currently working on plans for what will be our third pipe show. That the, sounds the good. The first pipe show that we did way back. I think it was like around episode fifty or so of the show. You and I did a pipe episode, and it was kind of like pipe one, pipe smoking one hundred and one, right? Like the basics of how to smoke. But that pipes. was before video. Yeah, it, before we did the video. Right, yeah. I think it was before video. Then that was at the Mucky Duck. Yes, we had a good time out in the back uh, patio of the Mucky Duck there. Then we did our last pipe show. We went over to uh, the New Potato, and <laughs> it was the. Ian shows off pipe show. <laughs> what are you talking about? I brought my little pipe, which I love, mm-hmm. and Ian brought his pipe collection. I brought a part of my pipe. You collection. bought a, the whole thing, yeah. And it was, it was, it was pretty impressive. I have to say, 
I have nice pipes. You really do. You have nice pipes. I've been told. And, and you're not a bad guitar player either. <laughs> <laughs> you're actually so anyway, pretty good at that. So, so anyway, we're working on uh, another pi- another pipe show. So this will be this will be interesting and a lot of fun. I- interestingly enough, for whatever reason, um, I've noticed that the pipe shows tend to get a lot of attention out there. I'm not sure. I don't think maybe a lot of people do pipe shows. Yeah, I, I was going to say maybe it's because there's not that much pipe yeah. show stuff out there. You know. Maybe I don't know. Anyway, we'll look forward to that. It's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a, a pretty interesting thing. And then you mentioned to me, can we talk about Old Humble or should we wait? Uh, well, I haven't reached out to. Them. They they said something last week on it, and I haven't reached out for them uh, to them yet. But they mentioned, hey, we should do a cocktail show, and I said yes. Um, so yeah, I'm going to reach out to them this week and see say, if we can get the pull them in real quick. Uh, that answer would be yes. And then I, yeah, I mean. Let's do a show about cocktails. Cocktails made with I'm old I'm not sure Dumbledore. how to say no to that. Yeah, I'm not sure you should say no to that. <laughs> right? I don't think you should. Uh, so uh, trends for craft beer for 2020. Let's walk through a few of these interesting uh, comments, and then we'll get to our uh, get to our tequila here. Um, the reason I thought this article was interesting was because of the people that they asked. What do you see as the next trends or the next things developing for craft can, beer. Can I can I put one in before we start? Sure. Trends for craft beer are yep. going to be macro brews making something that they think looks like craft beer. That that's been a trend actually for a while. Even more, they're yeah. putting their own name on. It. I keep yeah. seeing the the Budweiser Special Reserve billboards and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I, I think you're right. We're I think crafty. You're right. Yeah, uh, uh, we're, we're hey kind of sort of crafty. Crafty too. Yeah. Um, uh, Don Bichelle, the former uh, chief commercial officer for Revolution Brewing, which is a great brewery, says the next the next decade is going to show an increasing shrink in the number of brewery brands that'll be able to get deep into the distributor and retail tiers, and this will contribute to the number of buyouts and strategic partnerships. So this does make some sense. As the smaller craft breweries' um, financial impact moves more towards what they can do at their own tap room and what they can sell their own place, the concept of getting your beer distributed like Eureka Heights has done here in Houston, for example, or so many of the ones that are that are with Silver Eagle or some of the other distributors, uh, that's going to become less, fewer and fewer breweries, he's saying, are going to be able to get that kind of deep penetration into the distribution system. So what this is going to mean for a situation like us is that the AB-owned craft beer um, Mm. Uh, in our case, Carbach. Macrocraft. But, uh, but it could be Goose Island or wh- wherever it is, wherever you are. That's going to take up more and more of the shelf space of the less specialty Oh, Macrocraft takes up almost the entire uh, craft beer spell sh- uh, s- uh, shelf space. So, I can't talk. Shelf space. Shelf space. Yes. <laughs> it's easy for you to say. Um, <laughs> I said it slow. <laughs> uh, it takes up almost the entire shelf space. Mm-hmm. Um it's almost an entire door of the craft beer section, which is only um, two doors at my HEB. Right. And, and as frustrating and as that is. all Carbach. As frustrating as that is, it's even more frustrating to me when you go to a restaurant and they've got maybe five or six taps and four of them are AB products. Yeah. You know, and then you so you really just have two things to choose from. That, well, that it's, kinda, it's like going to uh, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. they got great wings. But- they only have two beers there. Mm-hmm. Like they literally have a wall of taps. Yes, but they only have two beers worth drinking, and that's going to be Sam Adams, Sam Adams, and Fireman Four, and Fireman Four. Yep, you're absolutely right. Yep. Kim Jordan is the co-founder of New Belgium Brewing. Kim says, in terms of what's next, what will 
inevitably see is a shakeout and fewer breweries. So what will that mean for the beer business? Likely less choices, less innovation, or even breweries taking fewer chances. Or it could mean stabilization and a re-energized core of uh, more successful breweries. Additionally, he says, as we've already seen, the rise of cannabis and sobriety will play a role in the further impact of the beer uh, category. I do think we're going to see more beer cannabis crossovers. I see that. I see that. I am going to disagree with his first statement, though, because what's going to happen is, as with anything else, we've got all these breweries, like especially they start changing some of the TABC laws here in Texas and stuff. You have all these breweries popping up. And I think uh, I think the initial idea was, I'm going to start a brewery, and uh, and and I'm going to take this brewery and make it like distribute everywhere, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But realistically, what breweries are starting to realize is we can be a local entity. So now a lot of these breweries around town are instead of becoming we're a brewery and we just distribute stuff, they're becoming a place where you go hang out, and that mm-hmm. makes a big difference. So they're becoming a local brewery. So a lot of places aren't even dis- uh, aren't even distributing their beer right. outside of their brewery. Now you have some that have gone into local markets and stuff like that, like you mentioned Eureka Heights and things like that. But what happens is I think that as as breweries become their own destination, much like any old, any bar, mm-hmm. you know, but an interesting bar that makes their own beer and that kind of stuff, which I think is a super cool. You're going to have the breweries that can't make it in either one of those arenas are going to go away. And you're going to have the breweries that make it as a destination hangout um, and as a uh, I can distribute locally and right. and make you know uh, make the bills that way and things like that. I think those places are going to stay around and I don't think it's going to make less innovation. I think it's going to allow those beers that are still stuck uh, that are still around to be able to go, you know what? We can actually you know, spread our wings a little bit. We don't have to make the same old IPA. We don't mm-hmm. have to make the same old lager. We don't have to make the same old, you know, things. We can try some different things. And I love a lot of these breweries when you go to them. Like I said, you can go just in the Heights here in Houston. You can go uh, walk so many to places. four or five yeah. different breweries. Yeah. Right. And not even a long walk, you know. Uh, they're all right next to each other and try different ones uh, and, and see – uh, and see what all they have, and they have all kinds of different flavors and things. But they're treated not like you know a brewery that's going to distribute everywhere. They're treated more like a bar that you come hang out, and we make this beer. And we make a really cool beer of our own, yes. and several really cool beers of our own, and here they yes. are. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, so I right. think that that's I think that's where the market's going to go. It's going to become a little less, <coughs> I'm just going down to the local bar, and more, I'm going down to the local brewery. Daniel Canary, who is the co-founder and CEO of Harpoon Brewery in Boston, What's up, Daniel? Miss you guys. Uh, says there's going to be a huge hangover from this unsustainable boom. The fast money will try to leave as quickly as it entered, distorting economics again in the other direction. Those brewers who thought the good and easy times would last forever are in for a rude awakening. And this, that's an interesting take. The fast money will be out quick. Yeah. And that's probably true. But I see, I always kind of enjoy that shakeout. It was great for the cigar industry. The best thing that ever happened to the cigar industry was the boom and then the boom ending. Right. You know, the boom was great because it really proliferated the whole concept and ideas of, of cigars. Mm-hmm. But the side effect was that there wasn't enough tobacco and some really inferior cigars got made. And when the boom ended, all of a sudden things started to get really good. Right. Uh, that was that was one of the best times. I mean, it's great to be a cigar smoker now uh, in terms of what your options are and what your, um, you know, the different things that you can try and all of that. But I'll tell you, um, it's it's been good ever since, you know, um, late 90s, 
early yeah. 2000s. Well, yeah, our when choices, things started and they're to all solid up, you know? choices. And you mm-hmm. ended up with a lot of solid brands because that's the problem with the boom is you end up with mm-hmm. a lot of transitory um, transitory brands. Like, hey, are we going to make it? Or people that are like, oh, I see that people can make beer. I can make beer real quick and set it up. And that's I think that's where they're talking about the quick money. But yeah. I, I got to think, though. If you're opening a brewery, there I don't think there is quick money in opening a brewery. No, I, I there's think a little you're right. less of that. So quick money right. is a, is in an maybe, air quote. Maybe on that there one. was a day. Yeah, I, I I think the guys at St. Arnold would love to go. Quick money? Quick, what are you right. talking about? Hey, you know how long this took yeah. us? Um, Sam Caglioni, by the way, is the uh, founder of Dogfish Head, and he says, and I think this is uh, one of the more interesting takes. He says, growing demand for beers that are high in flavor and food compatibility, but lower in calories. Yeah. Fruit-infused sour beers and locale IPAs are two categories that they believe a dogfish head will grow strong for many years to come. So I thought that was really interesting. And, and by the way, I applaud all of that. That, that all sounds mm-hmm. like a really, really good idea to me. Um, Ian, you have, um, like the champion that you are, poured us some tequila. Well, you were talking. <clears throat> the Cantera Negra uh, tequila. It's from Jalisco, um, Mexico. Yeah, and you're. Are you drinking tequila? <laughs> no, I'm just giving you out. I brought my. So uh, it earned a gold, two silvers, and a bronze medal in 2017 at the prestigious San Francisco World Spirits Competition. They say here for one reason: superior. I taste. haven't tried this yet, but it smells like butter mm-hmm. and caramel <clears throat> and agave. You know the the. Um, the cap on and the a bottle. little pepper. The cap on the bottle is interesting because it's a little piece of black volcanic rock. Oh, and this uh, nice. this tequila. I thought it felt interesting. The agave is grown on hillside fields of ancient black volcanic rock. Blue agave. Have you tasted? Yes. Your thoughts, sir. Buttery pepper. Buttery pepper. Doesn't that almost sound like two things that wouldn't go together? Like I want this on a biscuit. Oh, oh, yeah. And there's a little really. almost um there's a sweetness to it that's almost a almost a syrup like a molasses kind of. We really get the pepper thing. on the finish and you get a little bit of I don't know, I was going to say maple mm. uh on maple. the finish as well. Yeah. That's delicious. Um so we've tried a lot of tequilas on the show. This one has a little more bite. On the tail end of it. You definitely know you're drinking a there's, tequila. There's some heat there, yeah. But it's very smooth at the same time. It's a time. smooth heat. It's yeah, not yeah. It's not a harsh heat, but it is very evident. Is this uh, right at 40% mm-hmm. or 40 uh, proof? Mm-hmm. I believe that it is, yes. They don't say a lot on the... Uh, That's why they give you this the, oh, they give thing you the card that came that from around read, the neck right? with incredibly... Small print. Yeah, yeah, 40% by volume. Uh, they use an artisan approach, and uh, but they're really big there on- There wasn't much on the website either. The richness of their taste uh, that defines their elixir de agave. Oh, I like that. Elixir de agave. Elixir de agave. Mm, that, sounds, uh, that sounds like something you didn't get sick on in college. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, this- I, I, I like this. It's not my favorite tequila, certainly, but, um, uh, but it's also is, not- from that price range, there's either. a lot. Is- there's a lot I like about this. Uh, I love the butteriness. I love the mapley sweetness in mm-hmm. here, and I really and I like the pepper because, like those of you listening, don't get turned off by the fact that we're saying pepper because the pepper is evident, but it's in. It's not. It doesn't leave a spicy heat on the tongue. No, and it's not like a. 
like what's that pepper doing in there? Like right. it works. No, it in, really, in really the... works. It's like it's like it's like uh, it's like when you put pepper on your uh, biscuits and gravy. It's part of the flavor mm-hmm. of what's going on. Part it's of what really you're looking good, for. Right. Pepper on um, your egg salad. Right. So it's uh, it's really really good uh, that way. It has a little more heat, like it's a smooth heat, but it's definitely more evident than than some of the ones we've. Uh, tried before. It's very drinkable. This seems like a very fun bottle to take and pass around at a get together, or a, you know, you know, I mean, just just like pouring everybody little sips and everybody's kind of sipping it communally. What's the, what's the price point on this bottle? Believe that this bottle is about forty five. About forty five. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Which is not bad for an añejo, you know. No, I got you. I, you know, I, I wouldn't be disappointed with this. I, I there are a lot of tequilas you've brought in that I can envision having. Even with uh, you know with an ice cube in it mm-hmm. or something like that, I can't envision this with ice cube. I feel like if you put ice or even uh, much water in this, it would it would turn into basically a mineral water flavor with yeah, some tequila. That but it, that it might not as it stands, well. like as a, I'm just trying this neat mm-hmm. and room temperature. It's I, I think this is really good. How do you think this is paired with cigars? I'm a big fan of pairing tequila and cigars and find that most higher-end tequilas are easy to pair with cigars. I think that you would have to go with this particular cigar just because of the heat on the finish on this. You'd have to go with a cigar that wasn't super robust. Mm-hmm. Because I think that the heat on the finish of this and a super robust cigar with like a lot of pepper Might in it fight with each other. would definitely, I think they would clash a little bit. Um but, but I think like a, if you a, went something nice and smooth, like a, a La Palina uh, Candela, mm-hmm. that uh, I can't remember the name of that Candela that they yes. make, but it's so outstanding. You know what I was thinking um, would be good with this is the Aladino Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, the Aladino yeah. Connecticut would be fantastic with this. Any, you know, those the the cigars on the lighter side, like that Hemingway you started to mention mm-hmm. a minute ago. Um, anything on that lighter side, I think, would go really, really well with this. Whereas, again, a big beast of a cigar like you wouldn't want this with a san latano you know right uh, I, I just don't think that they mesh well i think the peppers would kind of fight with each I other i think you may be right i think you may so, be right i'll tell you what else and not to be repetitive because we've been accused of being repetitive we have been accused of being before. repetitive and sometimes we've been accused of being repetitive we've, we've been accused of being repetitive have you ever been accused of being we have repetitive? been accused of being repetitive that's what, that's what i thought uh so not to invoke that demon <laughs> but i will mention that uh you know what this would go great with yeah, tamales. Tamales. Uh, wouldn't that be great? Maybe we're just craving tamales. I think today. we are. I think we are craving tamales. <laughs> we need to do a tamale show. How can we find the tamale lady? Like I, you know, I don't know. You have to go to a bar <clears> and hang <throat> out. Yeah, because I've been at, I've been at yeah. places here in Houston where she's shown up, and I've been like over here. Yes, please. Yes, yes, yes please. Yes. And it's very distinctively the yeah. tamale lady or the one guy, because the two younger guys that go wander around and sell tamales, they're not as good. And I will say this, too. Uh-oh. If the tamale lady shows up and you're at the bar, and you've already eaten, and you're full- Buy them anyway. Buy them anyway and take them home. Yes. Yes. Cause and they get re- extra of the little tiny green sauce, because oh, that stuff's so hot and delicious. This is so good. Yeah. Oh, man. See, random I'm, tangents. You're right. We are on random tangents, and we're hungry today, <laughs> I can tell. Uh, but no, this honestly, this would go great, I think, with any Mexican food. Obviously, Absolutely. tequila- it generally does, but if you had this with an enchilada plate or with fajitas or with some I think, tamales. I think this maybe, uh, and maybe you're probably right, probably better than some of the more complex ones that mm-hmm. we've had because while this doesn't, I, I hate to use the word lack, it doesn't 
like it doesn't have a lot of complexity. It is but pretty straightforward, is but pretty in a wonderful way. But I think that that if you're going to eat this with, or if you're going to drink this with food that you're eating, you don't want it to be super complex, but you do want it to complement. I think you're right on this. This would be great. Like I can picture fajitas with this, like some mm-hmm. some lime uh, beef fajitas and some. One of the things I've noticed um, in obviously you know, a crunch wrap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, a Locos Dorito, couple, couple deep fried tacos, <laughs> Locos Dorito taco, whatever <laughs> that's, that's called. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing I've noticed uh, from going to um, Tex-Mex restaurants, uh, which down here generally will have a fairly decent, you know, tequila uh, selection, mm-hmm. um, is that sometimes I've ordered tequilas that I've like had before just by themselves. And you order them and sip them like while you're enjoying, you know, some quesadillas or something, else. and it's a completely different experience. The tequila, not just the food, but the tequila is a completely different experience. Well, I can see richer. Like there are certain there are certain tequilas that I could see going much better with more like the seafood style, like the ceviche and mm-hmm. things like that. And mm-hmm. then this this I don't see going well with uh, the seafood style. Uh, this is this is I don't see it going with beef fish, fajitas. Fish taco. This yeah. is beef fajitas yeah, right, right here, you know, beef yeah. or pork fajitas or tamales. Um, tamales. Did I mention tamales? <laughs> I think we're I think, I think we just want tamales. I think we're getting repetitive here. I see uh, Trey's watching. Uh, Trey knows yeah. about the tamale lady cuz he's been to the bar and gotten tamales from the tamale lady. <laughs> <laughs> if you've been to a bar and gotten tamales from the tamale lady, chime in right now on the comments. <laughs> We'd love to just like Pack the comments with uh, tamale comments. All right, uh, let's take a break, Ian. I, I I really like this. It as you said, it's not as complex as some of the tequilas that we've tried, but I really like what it is. Well, you know, we we talk about complexity, and a lot of people like complexity. The truth is, sometimes you don't need a multi tool; you need a hammer, <laughs> and that's all right. That's well said. And on that, because I'm not going to come up with anything that tops that, uh, we will take a break and be back with our final segment. In our final segment, by the way, chocolate peanut butter pastry stout. That sounds delicious. What I love about that is the word pastry gets thrown in there. We've had plenty of chocolate peanut butter stouts before, but this is chocolate peanut butter pastry I just assume when you put that many syllables in the name of a beer, it's got to be amazing. It has to be good. We'll be right back. <laughs> Do you want to get up there? That was On the beach in Hawaii. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 169. That means next week's show is 170. That's like halfway to 200. That's halfway to 200, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant today. I don't know why that amuses me. That shouldn't be Because I say that joke it's every week. Not, it's not funny at all, but I, uh, but it makes me laugh. Uh, we're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, you want to talk about a steak. These these man. guys. Oh, man. It's just like, we got to go. We're, we're overdue for a trip to b Even if you don't want to eat there, you can go buy that dry-aged steak mm-hmm. and take it home and make it amazing. I don't know what this is that you speak of, this don't want to eat there. 
Well, <laughs> you know, if you have no, I understand other plans. Like, like you know, you, you can't go there and put us on in the background and have a nice fire and stuff like that, where you can at home and really create the mood by, mm-hmm. you know, making a really nice meal for your date, putting us on in the background. I was going to say, you're offering, like, Valentine tips a month early. I'm just early. saying, yeah. Yeah, this is good. I mean, this hey, is good. I like it. We're great like in the background, you know. <clears throat> yes, we are. <laughs> Everybody likes to have smoking and toasting on when they're trying to set when they're the making mood out for <laughs> romance. That's uh, that's what we're. I mean, all I about. do it all the time. Come on, that's what we're all about, baby. Well, welcome <laughs> back to the show. It is uh, it is smoking and toasting. All right, how will we drink in twenty twenty? What are the trends that will shape and influence early and often? Early and often, I like it. Uh, the first one, and this is from an article on liquor.com, which, by the way, if, I love you, if you don't go there, it's a great website. You can go and like spend hours just reading. Dude, the, they're and good. They have great recipes. They're, yeah, too. they're good for all kinds of stuff. Cocktail recipes yeah, yes. and all kinds of interesting articles. Uh, the number one thing they say uh, on their list here is that uh, in 2020 we will be flooded with quote. Whiskey innovations, end quote. Uh, then they go on to say it seems like every whiskey has a, about a bazillion line extensions coming down the pike, limited editions, experiments with mash bills. Uh, they say even weeded whiskeys seem to be coming into favor. Uh, fancy barrel finishes, overproof variations that Chris Hart likes that burst with flavor but are almost too hot to drink. Uh, no doubt they say there are some amazing bottlings to explore, but it seems like there might be a few frogs to kiss before whiskey lovers find their prince charming in a bottle. And it also raises the question, is there a point of saturation with that? Your thoughts? Well, I don't think peanut butter and whiskey works. We tried that. You know, I, I think we mentioned this on the show, but Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, that's like his favorite whiskey. I know. He loves the and, peanut and butter whiskey. And you know whiskey. what? And good for Screwball because <laughs> they found an audience, but it wasn't us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good, good for them. Um, they also, uh, number two on the list from liquor.com, look for more low ABV and no ABV options in bars and at home. I, you know, I heard low ABV, and then what you said after that was kind of fuzzy. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of lost you, didn't I? <laughs> like, I'm uh, not sure what you said. They say, I, you know... Uh, the low ABV thing, I think, is a, is a trend that's been happening for a while, and I, th- I don't think it's going to go away because people want to be able to session beers. If you're going to go out to a barbecue and you're going to drink for four or five hours, you know, drinking barley mm-hmm. wines, which is something I'm... Have been accused of doing <laughs> um, is maybe not the best idea, right? But if you're drinking something that's in the three to four percent, that's a lot more you doable. Can, you can hang for a lot longer and, yeah, and enjoy absolutely. yourself. Yeah, well, absolutely. and you're being responsible to yourself and others at that point because while I can drink a lot of barley wine, the results are vastly different socially. Well, even in the spirits category, they're talking about a, a raft. They say of new, no alcohol bottlings. That are on the way. Uh, many of these are coming, they say, from Europe. Uh, pro- uh, products from the UK, Italy, uh, and Germany I, have been on display. I'm super recent confused things. by this. Is that like no alcohol whiskey? No alcohol whiskey, booze free. Uh, booze free uh, booze. Booze free booze. I, I don't. So think about this. Think about the tequila. Then what that, is it? Think about the tequila that we just had. Okay, and think about distillers trying to come up with a way. To create that flavor, so that you get the sensation of the flavors that we, you know, we're pointing out—the butteriness and the pepper—and all that, but with it not having an alcohol component. Now, it seems to me, 
and maybe this just because I love drinking alcohol, but it seems to me that it would lack the that last punch that it needs to have in order yeah. to feel the same. Like, um, like, wouldn't it feel too? I'm not. Uh, I'm not trying to like, you know, poo poo on on the uh, uh, concept of. You know, non-alcoholic, not, non-alcoholic alcohol. alcohol, but but yeah, I I still I still wonder if it will work. I mean, look, we've had non-alcoholic beer for years, and let's face it, it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I, there's lots of low-alcohol beers that are quite good, yeah. but I can't think of a non-alcoholic beer there, that I really like. In okay, fact, yeah, that you really like. I can see a, a couple reasons. If you if you're out and about, and you want to look like you're drinking beer, but you don't want to drink beer, you can get a non-alcoholic beer and have. Or if you're in the mood for that flavor, right? No, because we already decided it's terrible. <laughs> so what you do is you have them pour it in the glass, and then you look like you're drinking beer with everybody else. Okay, and it's but not that's socially just a, but weird. That's, but that's just about appearances. Yes, that's just about. In, why in, else would you drink in, no alcoholic in beer? Twenty twenty, it is totally okay to go. I'm just going to have a diet coke. Absolutely, you know it what is. I mean. But some people are, you know, different. Well, then, then what you've just done is taken away any reason to have no alcohol beer. Well, okay, so because uh, if you're in it for the flavor, let's just say, hold on, where is it? Well, that's not the one I was looking for. I actually, think, but, but it works. It it has the same. Thing. You know, uh, every week when we do the show, I put together a. Uh, that's the one I was looking for. Uh, I put together a little sheet of, you know, articles and stuff that I found things that we could potentially talk about on the show if we've had time, and one of the ones that has been sitting on that list for months that we've never gotten to because usually there's other things that you know pop up or whatever, uh, but it's about. Um, Non-alcoholic beers. It's a list of non-alcoholic beers that have been basically reviewed, and the title of the article is like seven not bad non-alcoholic beers. So that's how it starts. Like it's not. It's not even saying seven good non-alcoholic beers. It's saying seven seven that maybe don't suck too badly. Is basically when you're describing something as not bad, though you are not describing it as good. Correct. You're just saying it isn't awful. Would you rather hump, have something that's not bad or have something that's good? Because I'll be honest with you, if it came to, I'd rather have a not bad non-alcoholic beer or a good Dr. Pepper. Right. I mean, that's a pretty easy choice, right? Exactly. And I'll tell you another thing, too, is that one of the things I've learned is that rather than going for all the, you know, uh, low-fat, low-carb, fat-free, let's say, ice cream, Instead, just don't eat ice cream as often, and when you do, have a couple of scoops of real ice cream yep. and enjoy it. But just don't like get out the pint and you know eat the whole thing. You know, to me, it's kind of like that. Like I'd rather have something really Quality. good and enjoy it in moderation than just a whole bunch of not bad. Yeah, drink to drink. Uh, number three on this list of uh, the way we will drink in 2020, the fun factor will continue to be a draw. This is what it says. It says, it seems like everyone wants to build the ultimate adult theme park from drinks that channel childhood flavors like cereal, fruit roll-ups, and boozy popsicles to theme bars to distilleries with giant slides and boat rides and grammable glassware. Expect more whimsy with your drinking experience. I'm for it. Well, this show, I is, went all, by, um, this show is all about whimsy. I went by uh, Eureka Heights because they did a, uh, for the New Year's, they did a special uh, glittery beer. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, I knew my wife would like that because glitter. Glitter. Because glitter. And it looks awesome when you pour it into the glass. <laughs> like it looks. And it's a total. It looks gimmick. like a special effect. Like it's, it's a total cool. gimmick, but that's yeah. all right. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I was actually curious as how I was going to make my poo look, but whatever. <laughs> number four, <laughs> best tangent of the day. Uh, number four, better bar food. Compared to other countries where good food almost always accompanies a good pour, America has long uh, lagged behind. But bars are starting to catch up. San Francisco Chronicle re- uh, restaurant critic Salel Ho even declared a golden age of bar food in the Bay Area, a trend they'd like to see spread in the year ahead. Remember when you and I uh, and our wives uh, met? At Mongoose and, Mongoose and Cobra recently. Yeah. That was great bar food. Yeah, I think I think places are starting to become you know, like you're going to try our food and it's going to be awesome too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really enjoy that about it because it doesn't have to be uh, a complex. It doesn't have to be a three page menu. It, it can be one page of something good. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think a lot bar food bar food is definitely going through a renaissance. And we can make better stuff really yeah. easy. We are not just. We have a deep fryer and some frozen stuff because that's what bar food was for the longest time. Mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. bar food was bar food is deep fried. Number five brings up something interesting. It's a, it, they title it in the article "We'll Drink Hard," but it's about the hard seltzers and the hard. Uh, um, that's very popular. Yeah, now. It said after the success of White Claw, uh, White Claw expects the other hard beverages follow: hard cold brew, hard iced tea, and hard kombucha. Uh, but make no mistake. Hard seltzer isn't going anywhere in 2020. Now, this, a lot of breweries are making it now. I will tell you. Um, somehow, I think it was. I think we got some stuff for a meeting, and it was left over, and it wound up being in my house. I had. It wasn't a hard seltzer. It was like a hard uh, pineapple. Dry, I, oh, I tried it. It was horrible. Like it was like undrinkable. I poured it out in the drain. But I, I do like some of the hard seltzers. I've they, never actually they, tried they one. They seem to work. We probably should do a, Let's show do a show about that. And maybe the right time to do that will be when the new hard seltzer is released from Bud Light. Yes, they're releasing Bud Light seltzer. <laughs> Does seem pretty frightening, doesn't it? I mean, seriously, they've been advertising it and it's not even out yet. And and the ad just says coming soon or coming and it gives a date in January or February when it's going to be available. But Bud Light hard seltzer. Now I like hard seltzer and I like like some of the you know fruit flavors or whatever. I don't know if I want my seltzer to taste like beer, even good beer. Like know. you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, and especially not Bud Light. But even even if you like Bud Light, is that what you want your seltzer to taste like? Mm. It doesn't seem quite right to me. No. Mm. The ultimate and bad line extension. Selfie bars are going to show up in your feed is number six. I don't know what that is. Mirroring the success of Rosé Mansion, uh, immersive experiences with uh, bars and made-for-Instagram experiences like the Museum of Ice Cream and Museum of Pizza and Color Factory. Expect bars to take cues from these selfie extravaganzas. So I think what this is really about is people spreading out their cocktail stuff taking the photos and then sharing it on Instagram. This kind of seems like a non-thing to me. I mean, it's fine. Do it. Enjoy it. I'll enjoy looking at it. But a trend? I don't know. 
I don't know if that's a trend. Flavored gins are coming, though. Here's an interesting one. I like flavored vodkas, but with Juniper, flavored gin has been on a tear in England. Now producers in the U.S. Uh, are saying they think it'll uh, be something people develop a taste for here as well. What do you think about that? I think gin has been having a bit of a renaissance, <clears throat> especially with the onset of a bunch of aged gins. Like, almost everybody's making mm-hmm. an aged gin now. Yep, yep. And, it, and gin... The flavor of gin lends itself to the aging too. I think it's. I found a few aged gins that I really like, mm-hmm. um, and it's not just juniper flavors that come out anymore. Right, right, know, right. It's all kinds of. Well, they're talking about you know sour cherry and lemon drizzle and all kinds of. If they make uh, a blueberry, like I'm all about it. Blueberry, blueberry gin. aged gin. So, um, I tried some blueberry vodka that was actually quite good. I didn't think I would like it, and I really did. <laughs> I was, uh, I was uh, quite interested. And then I thought, this has got to be a martini. Like this has got to be super cold. I bet in a martini glass. So I bet you know, and, and that's why I like. Yeah. See, I like gin martinis. So I like yeah. the aged gin and the martinis. I usually when I make a martini, I make it very dirty because I like, mm-hmm. I like the flavors in there. But when you use an aged gin, you don't need to make it all that dirty. You just enjoy the gin because let's let's. Be honest, martini is the Italian word for big ass shot. You know, I mean, that's just liquor. That's <laughs> exactly what it is. With some ice, super cold liquor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you shake it until the the whole shaker is frozen. Yeah, right. And, and then you drink it. And it's best if ice crystals form on the top of it when you pour it into the glass. That's right. That's when it's really good. Uh, uh, final thing on the list We'll enjoy better drinks in weirder places They say no we're not talking about pop-up bars And crazy places Although that's always a possibility Rather this refers to canned cocktails That's what I had that was so awful That I was, It was a canned you cocktail You know we talked about drinks Ooh, in weird places a bad. few weeks back mm-hmm. We talked about the uh, whiskey pods in the butt Yes that's right That, that, is, is, the that is definitely place, a weird the place The weirdest place so far uh, <laughs> Boxed wine, wide range of other ready to drink options like whiskey pods uh, that are available to go places traditional drinks can't go. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Uh, for example, some train stations, they say, now have well-stocked grab-and-go coolers that rival what might be found at a traditional uh, liquor store ready to grab and take onto the rails. Airports and sports arena concessions are starting to offer uh, a wider array of ready-to-drinks, and that trend is set to expand quickly. So those those are the things that they... They think you will see more of in 2020. I think the hard seltzer thing is going to be huge. Hard seltzer is definitely going to be yeah, huge. It's, it's be, too easy to drink. Yeah, too too yeah. Uh, uh, too much momentum behind it already, and uh, and then and not quite as carbonated as Zima. <laughs> thank God for that. <laughs> thank God for that. I remember when you know back in my days of doing radio and doing club gigs, you know you would go out and you would host a club night on a Saturday night or whatever. I remember when Zima arrived on the scene, and it went from being in a bar where you saw everybody with a beer or a cocktail in their hand, yep. to looking out and seeing everyone with a Zima in their hand. It was like with almost, a Jolly Rancher. In it, it was almost universal, and then just as quickly, uh, about a year later, Gone. it died on and you didn't see him anywhere uh you ready to do some uh peanut butter pastry stout from king size i am it's not from king size it's actually uh no it's from um <clears throat> seven stills brewery seven stills brewery yeah and seven stills is uh from san francisco california san francisco. the jessup farm uh, barrel house that we had earlier by the way was from from fort collins colorado that's that's where they're located so ooh, that was nice that was very nice 
Um, I'm really excited about trying this stout. Smells like peanut butter. I'm not surprised. <clears throat> Generally, when something says peanut butter on it, if it's beer, you're going to get a well, pretty good nose of peanut, peanut butter. butter. Peanut butter is one of those things that can't be denied on the <laughs> nose. Like, You can say it's a cinnamon beer and not smell cinnamon. But you're never going to say it's peanut butter and not smell peanut butter. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Or peanuts in general are kind of like that. Wow. What do you think? This smells wow. like a Reese's Pieces, actually. It's it's like you took a Reese's Pieces. Uh, a Reese's like a, peanut butter a, cup. A bag yeah. of Reese's Pieces or a Reese's peanut butter cup, dumped it into coffee, let it dissolve, and drank it. Well, let me see. Mm. That is, it's really quite delicious. Really good. Yeah, it really is. I worry sometimes about these peanut butter stouts because we've had a few that were like, Meh. okay, I get it, they're peanut butter, but I didn't enjoy them that much. No, this is super drinkable. This is wonderful. This is more carbonation than I would ever expect in a stout either, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and it works with this particular beer. Usually, I would immediately be like, "This is too much carbonation in here." But <clears throat> so I'm going to be honest. I was actually There's worried. Something about the way it makes the peanut butter kind of tickle the tongue, and then finishes it with mm-hmm. coffee. Um, uh, there's more coffee in this than that, I would have expected. There's that that uh, that that flaky pastry with uh, with powdered sugar kind of thing going on. Thus, it being a pastry style. Yeah, yes. it's it's like and a little butteriness to it, mm-hmm. kind of almost. We've, we've had a couple buttery things going on today. Well, I, I'm going to tell you this. Even though I was excited about all of the beers we were trying today, there was this little nagging worry in the back of my brain that it was possible we could dislike all three of them. <laughs> you know, what Well, I mean? they were all a little polarizing. Right, right because you've got a, a definitely a hoppy IPA, which I knew I would probably like, but I thought you might not like it. Uh, and then we had the farmhouse ale, which, I mean, it could have gone either way. It was how come, delicious. How come no one has named a uh, um, hazy IPA cloudy with a chance of hops? I think somebody has. It should be. I think somebody um, has. I'm going to say. I bet if you Google that, a beer will come up. <laughs> it's It says seven stills, but I keep reading it as Stephen Stills. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I did this. Every time thing. I look at it, it says Stephen Stills. Uh, seven stills, uh, brewery and, and distillery. Anyway, um, so uh, Seven Stills Brewery and Distillery Hype Can Series release number 045 style chocolate peanut butter pastry style. That is literally all the information they give you on here. Um, 12.1%. It doesn't drink at 12.1%. No, it doesn't feel like that at all. Not at all. It doesn't feel like that at all. Peanut buttery. It's delicious. Um, It's it's. Mouthfeel is almost, I think because of the extra carbonation in there, the mouthfeel doesn't feel quite as thick. You're right. It isn't as viscous as you might be expecting. Even though in the glass it kind of looks like it. <clears throat> well, it almost looks like motor oil in the glass. This, this, needs, uh, this needs further research, advanced <laughs> research. <laughs> did go. we even pour any of that for Adam? Oh, we did. Okay, good. Just making sure. We did. We're, we're taking well, care of our... Uh, I'm I'm pretty impressed with the king size. I have to I have to pour him beer. Or he'll just put the camera on you. Yeah, the whole time. <laughs> well, you know, I got I got I to work it somehow. You know, you know so if well, I if I go to him and say, Adam, you know, uh, I noticed you you had a lot of camera um, on cruise. 
last time. He's like, yeah, I didn't get a lot of beers. <laughs> He's not really like that, but it's no. funny to think yeah. about. Well, I have to tell you, this has been a very interesting tasting show. Uh, and, and it's really, um, I think we chose more interesting, not more interesting than usual, but it was definitely an unusual lineup of things to taste today. It was, it was, uh, yeah, the beers that we had today like are, are very unusual. Actually, the normalest one we had was the the, mm-hmm. the super grapefruit winter IPA. Winter IPA. Yep, from St. Arnold. Yeah, I like that. There's snowflakes on us. St. Arnold's from Houston. There's snowflakes on this can. I like that it says 100 percent chance of. And hops. we see snowflakes here in uh, in Houston. Yes, about about once, once every five or yeah, seven years. Yeah, five to seven years. That's right. That's right. Which is almost exactly once a blue moon, right? How many how many years is a blue moon? Uh, um, that's a very good question. Uh, Wiki Brian, help us out here. How Somebody knows. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. When I first moved back to Houston from uh, living up in uh, New England, uh, the first year I was back, it snowed. And uh, I was sitting, I was at my house. I was just, like working on the computer. And I'm looking outside and seeing it snow. And I thought, oh. I have to go to the grocery store right now because these people in Houston have no idea how to drive in this, and they're going to be crazy. Oh yeah, they're and kill I everybody. raced out to the grocery store because I needed, you know, milk or whatever, beer probably. So uh, Brian Wiki Brian says uh, Grand Armory Brewing has cloudy with a chance of hops. Mm-hmm. So yes. He also said gin question mark renaissance question mark gin needs to die a fiery death. Oh, I just don't really a, know a, how he feels a, about gin. He's not a gin fan. I didn't realize. I that. think he likes gin about as much as he likes IPAs. <laughs> well, that clears it up. It <laughs> really does. Well, uh, I want to thank uh, you guys for coming along and enjoying the tasting experience with us and uh, enjoying our little look at uh, 2020 and the decade to come. Yeah. I think it's going to be a very interesting one. And I'm really psyched actually about some of the things that we have. Uh, in store for you for smoking and toasting for 2020. We will, of course, be getting to. We're about halfway there now. Our uh, our 200th episode, and after the hundredth was such a debacle, uh, we're going to have to. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to have to go way well, over the top. You guys have let us stick around long enough. I think we might have to start thinking about merch. <laughs> I like the idea. <laughs> I like the idea. Well, uh, thank you to everyone. Uh, involved in helping uh, put the show together today. Thanks to everybody for checking us out on Facebook and uh, and on the and watch party. Uh, we haven't wa- done that. So the watch party, how did that go? It went great. I've got a uh, uh, a bunch of people, a bunch of my old school friends and uh, family members and stuff like that showed up on that. It's very cool. Uh, hey, you guys, uh, do me a favor. Even if you hate what we do, mm-hmm. that's fine. Still like me and uh, go on to YouTube and sign up and um, and. Uh, subscribe to the channel and hit the little bell to let you know whenever we got new content coming out and everything like this everything you see here will be posted up on uh youtube so if you miss it you can come back and see it or if you again if you want to put it on the background when they got a fire going and do and, your yeah, uh absolutely uh, do your romantic evening like we're great like that you know? and i'm not saying we're all that in a bag of chips but some of the crap that i've seen on youtube that has like hundreds of thousands of views like you guys help us out we're better than that you know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. We need to do like a fail video reel, right? Oh, I think that's what we <laughs> smoking and toasting fails. <laughs> Many of them would involve that little sound effects box that you have there. Uh, it's when we, when the wrong sound effect comes out. It's pretty uh, funny when I mean one thing and something else comes out. Yeah, absolutely. It happens a lot. 
Exactly. I, but see, I knew you were going for that one this time. So. <laughs> How did you know it was going to be first time? Get know, out of my head. That's creepy. Sometimes it's just. No, know. I mean, really, it's creepy in there. You don't want to be in there. I don't even want to be in have there. Have a uh, great week, my friend. Thanks to Adam on the Wheels of Steel uh, for producing the show. And have a wonderful week. We'll see you back here next week for show number 170, which we will celebrate by calling it show number 170. We are officially halfway to 200. Absolutely. And we're looking forward to it. Have a great week, everybody. And uh, uh, cheers. Cheers. Chocolate peanut butter pastry. Ah! So delicious.